it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I agree 100%. I I think there was something more to that and I I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, probably, uh, probably never take, know. Fi- take 5 million bucks less. I don't know that I would do that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like anything I could do with with 16, I could still do with 11. That's true. Good call. But I don't know. You couldn't uh, buy out Auburn, said coach. Yeah, I, that's not a decision I'll ever have to make. I'm, I'm confident in saying that. But <laughs> yeah, enough about uh, Paul Christ. Let's just get into the rest of the show. Welcome back, college football fans. Uh, special episode of the South End Zone podcast this week. I'm here with Jason. And if you're looking for some week seven recaps or even week eight previews, you're going to have to wait a day or two, uh, probably a day. But we, we have a, a number of topics, Jason, that we've kind of talked about working into the show and they sort of added up and we just decided to do a standalone episode and here we are. How's it going? Oh, that's good, man. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the one we did last year. So I think, I think this is a good spot for some halftime hits and misses. Uh, We didn't, you know, do it in a week earlier this year than we did last year. So felt like it was a good spot for it. And I, I just feel like with that explosive week seven that we just had, that there's just way too much to talk about to fit it all into one show. So we're going to do a separate one here and spend, you know, a little while talking about, oh God, all the bad predictions that I made before the season and some good yeah, ones. There's, there's some bad, some good. Um, so anyone who was, uh, who feels like listening or listened to the first time around last year when we did halftime hits and misses, we won't be reviewing any specific uh, individual game picks. This will just be the preseason Las Vegas win total over unders. Uh, because believe it or not, there's a, a couple handfuls of teams that have already cashed out on theirs. But first, <laughs> and a couple of these schools actually will show up on the list later on. But Jason, first I want to talk about the you know, we're, we're still at five schools that are missing a head coach. Yep. Uh, th- those schools are Colorado, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, and Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of talked about it here and there in the group chat. And, you know, without getting too speculative on who's who we think will be hired where, one question we haven't really gone over on the show is, you know, if you were a coach who was looking for, you know, say you're some hotshot defensive coordinator or you're a uh, you know, a group of five, or maybe even a, a successful FCS coach, which of these would you find preferable um, as opposed to, you know, kind of in comparison with each other? So we are going to do to open this show, uh, we're going to do some head coach vacancy rankings, mm. which is a little bit backwards from the normal, hey, you know, who would be your wish list if you're Arizona State? What three names should you be looking for? Uh, kind of the inverse of that. Um, All right. So you want me to go first? Sure. All right. Well, if I'm uh if I'm a young coach Bailey looking for you know a big time job and some big time money, but also a team that's gonna allow me some time to get some shit together because they're a dumpster fire, I'm gonna make Nebraska number one on my list here. I, I think uh they're really heavy in the NIL space now and Wisconsin, not so much. I think, you know, as far as resources go, stadium facilities, all that. They're probably pretty close, pretty equal. You know, they're in the same division, but Nebraska has gotten really heavy into the NIL space. They're, you know, one of the, I don't want to say front runners, but they're definitely, 
you know, at the forefront of the NIL and they're doing some good things with it. So I would probably lean as in this era as Nebraska as my number one job. Now, number two, it's it's gotta be Wisconsin because the the money coming in from the Big Ten, the resources, it's just you know, hundred million plus coming in every year off TV money. I feel like Wisconsin's two there. And then for me, I got Arizona State at three here. And the only reason I put this above Georgia Tech is because Georgia Tech has those academic requirements that are so strict and it's harder to get good players there and harder, like we said, to keep good players. Uh, You know, see Jameer Gibbs. (laughs) If you want an example of how hard it is to keep good players there. So Arizona State would be three for me. And then at four and five, you could put Georgia Tech and Colorado at the same spot for me. It's basically 4A and 4B because Colorado, not a great job, not a great recruiting ground. It's cold as shit there all the time. I mean, you know, granted, Denver is a nice place to live and all of that. I've been there, love it. But I would personally rather live in Atlanta if I was going to pick live in Colorado or live in Georgia, I'm going to live in Georgia. So I would probably put Georgia Tech ahead of Colorado by a smidge, but to me, they're 4A and 4B. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so we're actually pretty close. Uh, for me, Nebraska is one as well for basically all of the reasons you described. And additionally, the one thing you didn't mention is the fan support. Um, mm. The fan support at the University of Nebraska is, in my opinion, unparalleled. You know, and and like you said, you're going to get you know new new guy coming in. They're going to give you a couple of years to get things how you want them. They're not going to be, you know, oh god, you know, eight and four year one. You know, fire him. Yeah. I think they learned. I think they learned that lesson right with Frank Solich and Bull Pulini and right. Um, and I think they've seen yeah. enough dysfunction. And I mean, they were even honestly, they were even very patient with Scott Frost. I would say they were beyond patient. I mean, he didn't have a winning season and he lasted four and a half years. Yeah. So for me, they're one. And I do have Wisconsin as a close second. And then kind of the one thing I would worry about with them is I don't know that the recruiting footprint at Wisconsin is the same as Nebraska uh, because you're a little more limited and you can't reach down into, you know, Missouri, Oklahoma, Kansas as well. Uh, But still a very good job. And I think any, any, coordinator who's looking for a power five job uh, would be silly to not entertain going to Wisconsin. Now where we kind of branch off is I have Georgia tech third Mm. and I have Arizona state fourth. And here's why. So the things working against Georgia tech are in the facilities department, they're limited. You know, the school is in downtown Atlanta. There's not, they don't have space to just go, build a new indoor practice facility or go do this or go, you know, what they have is what they've got. Yeah. Um, They're working more towards getting a little more active in the NIL space, but you know, the recruiting area is still the recruiting area. And I get that you can't necessarily get every single kid you want into that school, but you know, even in the state of Georgia, even UGA's leftovers, you know, you can still do well there in the ACC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia is the most recruited or fertile recruiting ground in the country right now. So I, I, I think the the talent deficiency that you that kind of naturally happens based on the the academic admission requirements to Georgia Tech. I think you can overcome with I don't want to say gimmick offense, but there you know there are ways to kind of work around that a little bit. Where a guy like Jamie Chadwell who runs an offense that not a lot of people see, right? And and it's kind of tough to game plan or Dave Clawson at Wake, same deal. You don't necessarily have to run the triple option, but you can do some different things and throw people off and, and be successful. Yeah. And it's not a place that they expect you to go 10 and two every year. No. Either. No. Like if you go to Georgia Tech and you win seven, eight, seven, eight, seven, nine, eight game, you know, you, you can stay employed there for a while. So, right. Um, that, and the fact that I, I would be very leery if I was a head coaching candidate of going to Arizona state, because I have no idea what the sanctions are going to be from the Herm Edwards recruiting thing. That's very true. That's a Um, good point. And also something I didn't think about too, that I didn't mention when I put them ahead of Georgia tech is we don't even know what conference they're going to be playing in. Well, that's if, a big thing too. Is if the, the Pac-12 you know, implodes, yeah, yeah, the Pac-12 is kind of a, you know, Arizona State should 
you know, where they're at, you should be able to get a lot of good players, right? You, you can naturally reach into both Texas and California and, you know, there's somewhere between 10 and 20,000 reasons that a, a young red blooded American male between the ages of 18 and 20 would want to go to Arizona state. If you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're in what I think is maybe kind of a dying conference. I don't know what's going on with their athletic director. You know, how much longer he's going to be around. So it's like, Hey, if the guy who hires me gets fired in a year, what does the new person do? Uh, and then the sanctions, and I just wouldn't feel great about it. Um, I mean, is that the most mind blowing, like person that has not been fired yet? I mean, does Ari- does Arizona in State the, in the non Brian high- Harson division? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, does Arizona State compete at a high level in any other sport that you know of? <sighs> right offhand, I think their baseball team is is normally pretty good. Okay. Uh, I mean, the Pac-12 Pac as a whole is a yeah, strong baseball conference. Because yeah. basketball I don't follow and enough football, other, no, they don't. Yeah, I don't follow another, mo- enough other college sports to tell you. Yeah, both of their revenue sports, they don't compete. So yeah. to me, I'm just like, why, why are you keeping that guy around? You can't let him make another coaching hire. But whatever. I, anyway, I, please I mean, continue. I, I wouldn't, but it appears that they are. Yeah. Uh, and then bringing up the rear for me also, uh, Colorado. I just, I don't know that there's the the fan support and the finances that come along with it. The recruiting area, it's kind of wishy-washy. Yeah. And again, in the Pac-12, I think the, the Pac-12 as a whole, there's enough unknown there where it's going to scare people off. Like, yeah. okay, am, am I joining the Pac-12 only to end up in the Mountain West in two years? Or like, what am I doing at Colorado? Right. I don't know. So I think there's some disadvantages there, but you know, someone will, that, that job will be good enough for someone. It's just, you know, is that the right guy who can turn things around there? I don't know. Time yeah. will tell. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think that's a, I think it's really a battle for both of the back 12 schools. Yes, exactly. That's what I was kind of getting at. It's, it's an uphill battle. It's going to be, Tough for whoever goes in there for a year or two. Now, transfer portal might make the transition a little easier for whoever comes in, but I mean, let's be honest—they're not going to get a big name kind of dude. Right. And the transfer portal from Colorado—you can maybe pull in enough good players in year one to take you from four wins to six, but there's a limit on how how much improvement you're going to see through that. right? Right. So. Yeah. Those are those two Pac-12 jobs are kind of the what I would consider the least desirable. But yeah, um, so I will see. Like I said, we'll see who ends up where. I'm I'm still I'm most curious to see what happens at Nebraska because I think Wisconsin's a done deal. I think they're just going to keep Jim Leonard in place. I think and I think they're looking for the slightest reason to keep him um, and just take the interim tag off. Well, like we talked about at the open, you know, I, I think I personally think something happened there with Paul Christ. Either he was just ready to go or they had some cause because to me, there's no reason to take a reduced buyout unless you're just ready to go or they have some reason. You might think they might have some reason to fire you that would eliminate all of your buyout or right. most of it. So I yeah. don't know. Well, and yeah. 11 million is better than zero. Yeah, that's right. So to me, he was probably ready to go anyway. Uh, well, speaking of Wisconsin, they make our next list. Actually, they make our next two lists, um, oh which kind of tells you how things are going there. <laughs> uh, so next, the next list we're going to go over, uh, we're, we're calling it AP Preseason Poll Top 25, Where Are They Now Edition. Well, it's obvious the odds makers didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Because believe it or not, and we've talked about this the last two last two years when the AP top twenty-five comes out, the preseason poll comes out of how little faith we have that even half of those teams will end up in the the final AP vote. So I don't know if you have the preseason up in front of you um to kind of refer to, but I don't, but I can pull it up really quick here. There's some laughers on there. Where is it? Okay. All right, I've got it. Oh God, there is some laughers. Yeah. Okay. So you want to work? Do we want to work our way up from the bottom or just top down? Uh, let's go from the bottom. I think okay. that one will be more interesting. Okay. So the first one uh, that jumped out at me was Houston. Oh God, what are they three. two and two and three now or two? And- they're they're three and three. Three and three. Yep. Mm. So they 
preseason poll number 24, they were actually, um, I thought between them and coastal Carolina, like your, your group of five new year six bowl was going to come from one of those two teams. Oh yeah, I did too. I, I had Houston as the only like potential new year six bowl buster because I thought Cincinnati lost too much and I thought coastal, you know, lost enough and they had some injuries in the preseason and I was like, eh, I like Houston to be the New Year's Six Buster. Yeah, not the case. Not going to happen because they are three and three. Uh, the biggest reason, look, when I kind of looked over their season so far this morning, the biggest reason is their defense last year gave up 20.5 points per game. Uh, this year, they're at a 33.7 allowed uh, clip. Uh, so that's a, that's a good way to lose some close games to Texas Tech and I believe UTSA. Um, it's got to make you wonder if Holgerson's in trouble. It makes you wonder. I don't think he is. I mean, they were, were they 12 and two last year? Something like that. Yeah. They were really good. I, I know they won 11 games. Um, yeah. So you would think that he's going to hold on to his job, but with them moving to the big 12, if they join the big 12 next year and they get their asses kicked all year, it, the pitchforks could definitely be out and they could be looking for somebody, you know, a little bit more maybe younger somebody like a Jamie Chadwell or something, you know, yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know if Holgerson's the guy to lead them into the big 12 and make them formidable. Mm, well, I don't, I'm not sure who that guy actually is. I'm not sure that guy exists. That That's going to be uphill for them as well, but we'll see. Um, I mean, last year they could have competed in the big 12. That's very true. But, the, you know, we'll see how they finish out the season, I guess, you know, eight and four, I guess, wouldn't be, you know, if they can, if they can finish strong, but man, they got to figure some stuff out on defense. Um, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> not great, Bob. Yeah. Another team that needs to figure some stuff out. Number 18 preseason Wisconsin Badgers who oh. are sitting at three and four with an interim coach. Um, you look at their point differential, Jason, and it doesn't look terrible. And then you kind of look game by game and you take out, the group of five or FCS scores. And really it's they're scoring 23 and giving up 29 a game versus power five opponents. And that's not going to get it done. That's a, that's a quick ticket to three and four. Yeah. I mean, they gave up 16 points a game last year on defense. Right. And they're 52nd in the country in rushing yards per game. They are nearly identical as far as carries yards and average um, to Auburn, who is in 53rd. Oh my God. So not, not the Wisconsin team we're used to seeing. I guess there's a reason they have a, they have a new coach. Well, and I mean, we, you know, there was way too many question marks on this team. We talked about it. All three of us took the under eight and a half, you know, so it's, it just, I don't think any of us are any more than I would say marginally surprised, but I think like you kind of touched on, we all sort of expected them to win at least eight games, but we were all skeptical and, you know. Yeah, I thought I thought their their floor was probably like seven and five. Yeah. Even though yeah. I didn't I wasn't confident taking over eight and a half. I didn't think they would be, you know, sub five hundred halfway through the season. So Yeah, that that's what I'm looking at like their schedule here and it's like It doesn't get man. any prettier, yeah. And no, I expected them to be like six and one and then get into the meat of their schedule, which included Michigan State, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Maryland, you know, and I'm thinking well, the first half looks really favorable outside of Ohio State, and whew, man, you go things go bad on a first half schedule like that. Probably a good thing that Paul Christ is gone. Speaking of first half schedules not going well, number sixteen preseason Miami oh sitting my God. at three and three. Jesus. Uh, I don't think anyone preseason, if you just said, hey, you know, they're going to get beat by Texas A&M and lose by, you know, nine points or whatever it was, that wouldn't have shocked me. And we'll, you know, more on Texas A&M in a minute, but um, Miami is three and three. So they're playing 500 ball against the 61st ranked strength of schedule in the country. So they're almost like mathematically as mediocre as they could possibly be, right? 61st out of 131 teams. They're not that far off from playing like extra medium strength of schedule. And here's how average they've been 23 (laughs) points per game scored 22 points per game allowed. So they're just, they're just 500 all over the place. I don't know what's going on down there other than the offense sucks. We suck their offense. Like you said, it just stinks. Van Dyke looks just way off. And I, 
like I kind of touched on a few weeks ago, I think Josh Gaddis is the problem because, you know, he takes a lateral move from Michigan, maybe because Harbaugh said he was going to leave, or maybe it was a, hey, coach, go find you another job because that happened to him at Alabama. You know, he was at Alabama and they were just like, coach, you need to go find another job. Yeah. So and now at the time, it sounded like the first thing. Yeah. Because when, when, when Harbaugh was interviewing with the Vikings, it, yeah. was, it was at the same exact time. And it, you know, kind of the story is he told all his assistants, hey, I'm, if they offer me this job, which I think they're going to, I'm going to take it. So, yeah. You know, and, and maybe think, that, maybe, maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Yeah, but it could be. But I just, I, I tell you what, Michigan's offense doesn't look like they miss them. No, they don't. They look oh. better this year. McCarthy looks like he's, you know, I mean, he threw for 300 yards a couple of weeks ago. They look balanced. They look more explosive. Ronnie Bell looks good. Like, I think Gaddis's offense just stinks, and it's got Van Dyke all messed up. Like, I, I honestly kind of feel bad for, you know, their players. I don't feel bad for their fans because they don't fucking show up to the game anyway. So, I mean, we've got listeners in Florida, but I highly doubt any of them are Miami fans. <laughs> maybe know. they are. And if you even if you are a Miami fan and you're a listener, thank you for subscribing to the show. But I, I mean, we we don't feel bad for you guys because the fan support sucks. And so it's like, yeah, well, you know, maybe if people would show up to the games, something would be different. But it's just it's a bad situation down there, man. Cristobal has got much more of an uphill battle than I initially thought. But when you can't win with a quarterback like Van Dyke, things are not going to be good because odds right. well, are the next guy you bring front- in is not going to be that good. Yeah, especially since, you know, when you're looking to get the front half of that schedule that you just listed off, it's yeah, you know, three and three, boy, I don't. Well, yeah, and included in that is a just straight ass kicking at the hands of Middle Tennessee State. You know, um, um, oh, yeah, they middle, got Middle Tennessee Middle State, of the road pulled, group of five team. They pulled starters. Oh, that's not good. That's so, I've heard is, enough about Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Moving <laughs> they, on. They suck. Oh, um, so it's mid October, which means it's still shorts weather in Lansing, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed. It was also shorts weather in the preseason when Michigan state came into the year ranked number 15. Whew. They're three and four. Any idea where they rank nationally in pass efficiency allowed Jason? I would we I would be willing to bet it's no better than 129th. Oof, boy, I should have taken that. 121st, uh, marginally oh, better. Damn, <laughs> it's a, um, that's surprising. They're yeah, a little better than I thought. Slight improvement from last year. Uh, 121st in pass efficiency allowed at 157, and they are 108th in the country in third down defense conversion rate. So they're just a turnstile on defense, basically. Um, yeah, and they're not good. explosive enough offensively to just you know outscore teams and you know do the kind of the Big Twelve model. They're just <sighs> they're in a bad way, and I think there's a lot of people looking at that contract going, you know, gosh, you know that nice shiny eleven and two season um, seems well, like always, a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and they always have that to hang their hats on. But at the same time. I mean, Mel Tucker obviously is going to be fine, but the difference between this year and last year is he didn't hit any home runs in the transfer portal. That That's what it boils down to. You know, he, he got Kenneth Walker from Wake Forest and the guy was in the Heisman race and they just don't have that guy now. And their defense has not improved at all. You know, I mean, it, yeah, up from 131st to 121st. Well, you still suck. So it you, you can't beat good teams especially when you play pass happy teams like Maryland and Ohio state who actually have athletes on the, on the outside. So they, yeah, they may not make a bowl game. They may not. Um, I don't think their second half of their schedule looks fantastic either. Uh, So, you know, not not when you add to their back end of their schedule, the fact that Illinois is is, is (laughs) good. Yeah. is actually good this year. And then they've got Penn yeah, State. They still got Michigan. They got with Penn Michigan. State. It, yeah. And Rutgers for them will not be a pushover. Like that's not a guaranteed win that they, you know, Rutgers comes in there. They're, they're not guaranteed to beat them. Yeah. Uh, well, they got four losses and you just said Illinois, Michigan, Penn State. I, I can't imagine that Sparty's going to be favored in any of those. So no. Five win no. season in, in play. Yeah. Maybe four. It's possible. 
Not oh, great. God. Nope. But yeah, um, moving on down the list because yeah, well, kind of yeah, kind of moving up the list. Um, th- I'm not going to be as hard on this next team, even though they are three and three, and they came into the year in number ten in the AP preseason poll, and that is the defending Big Twelve champ Baylor Bears, because mm. they haven't been bad. Like they lost on the road at BYU, uh, they lost at home to a really good Oklahoma State team. The loss at West Virginia, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not thrilled about, but that was also kind of a goofy. Uh, situation there, right? Because they had an extra point get blocked, and that's a three-point swing, and they ended up losing by three. Now, having said that, they gave up 43 points to West Virginia. Uh, inexcusable, but... Yeah. You know, yeah, they're... It's, they're, a, they're a fickle team, man, because like I, I watched a fair amount of that game against Oklahoma State, and after the game, I told myself, like, I still think Baylor's better than them. You know, like I, I feel like they just kind of got some bad luck. They got hit with a targeting penalty, and the guy that came in to replace him has never taken a played a snap, and they just picked on him all day, and it kind of just threw a wrench into their plan. So, and their lines of scrimmage are pretty good. So I felt like they were probably still the better team out of them or Oklahoma State. And then, like you said, they turn around <laughs> and lose to fucking West Virginia. And I'm like, well, never mind. Actually, they're not very good. So. They're just kind of fickle to me. I can't really put my finger on why it's not coming together for them. Uh, I, I can give you a start. If I told you that they're allowing 34 points per game in conference play, would you be surprised? Because no. they are. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I know Dave Aranda is a you know, defensive guy, but it's ultimately it's still the Big 12. You know? Right. So I don't – like coming into the Oklahoma State game, I thought – you know, I still at that point felt like I think it's probably going to be a rematch. I think those are the two best teams. I know Baylor's carrying the one loss to BYU, but that's not a conference game. So they, you know, they still have everything in front of them. I didn't feel as good about it losing at home to Oklahoma State. And then I obviously seeing what TCU is doing, uh, even how well Texas is playing, and then having them go on the road and lose to West Virginia, who I think is maybe going to end up being last place in the conference. That's just, it's just bad. So. Yeah. A little work to do there for Dave Aranda. Yeah, which I can't remember. I think I took the over on them. I think I took the over on Baylor. I think I might have as well. Because um, it was seven and a half was their win total. And man, I yikes. That may be an issue. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Uh, you took the under seven and a half. Okay. All right. Well, that makes me feel a little better then. Yeah. I took the, <laughs> I took the over and... Not looking great right now, but there's still hope. Oh, um, well, I don't feel so bad now then. Yeah. I'll tell you who does feel bad, and that is fans of the number nine team staying within the Big 12, Oklahoma. Oh, God. <sighs> We've talked about Oklahoma. They're just somehow, with Brent Venables as their head coach, they're awful on defense. Um, they're four and three. They're allowing 31 a game. And if you thought that 34 points per game allowed in conference play by Baylor was bad – the amount of points that Oklahoma is allowing in conference play is going to make your eyeballs bleed. 47. Good God. Yikes. That's not good. I, I took. Yeah. You took the under on them. Did I take the under on Oklahoma? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I have overridden down. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm, yeah. You I must and me were. Convinced, must have convinced myself otherwise. Yeah. You and I were both under nine and a half, which we'll talk about after the break. But uh, yeah, okay. Timmy was buying the Venables Kool-Aid and. Ah, okay. He's not here to defend himself, so I'm sure he's regretting it, though. Um, yeah. Do you remember who the number six preseason team was? Numero. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember really well because Timmy was we talked super about high him. on him, and Timmy had him at his, in his top four to start the season. Texas A&M. Texas Man. A&M. <sighs> Still terrible on offense. Still. Hasn't got, hadn't ex- got any better. Oh. <sighs> They're so bad on offense, dude. They're averaging 21 points a game. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. It's as simple as Jimbo has got to give up the play card. If they, I mean, can you imagine what like somebody like Kendall Bryles would do with those athletes at Texas A&M? He'd, I mean, he'd score more than 21 points a game. I do know uh, that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this, the offense that guy runs, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work anymore. Uh, you. <laughs> Yeah. I don't well, know. you can only have so many years and years and years of game tape of what you run offensively 
available to the world before people start to figure out like yeah. this is what they're doing. So yeah, you know, and it's well, not particularly just, creative. No, so I mean, he's had he's had one really really successful season, and that's because he had Jameis Winston at quarterback, and he carried the whole team on his back. You know, and he doesn't have that guy now. I mean, even the five star recruit he brought in, uh, Wagman, he's not that guy. Well, I mean, he had more than Jameis Winston at Florida State. I mean, like the year they they won the title, all 22 of their starters played in the NFL. Yeah. You know, and then they were very good the next year. They they lost in the playoff, but a bad. Well, I would be willing to bet that I'd be willing to bet that 75% of Texas A&M's roster, you know, everybody they've got now, all these five stars, I would say 75% of them end up playing in the NFL on some level. Yeah. They may not finish their college career at Texas A&M. We'll, Correct. We'll see. <laughs> it's, Correct. I think it's what we're seeing with the transfer, transfer portal and the the immediate eligibility. People talk about how important recruiting is. It's not just getting high school kids or JUCO players to come to your school. It's keeping the guys you've already got as part oh, of it. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I, I think it's tough to do when you're having the kind of season they're having because uh, they're three and three and it's I'll tell you yet another Jimbo Fisher eight and four Texas A&M season is really looking like the most likely outcome. Oh yeah. hundred percent. But at least they're going to be eight and four, not like our next team that we're about to cover. Uh, our next team. I, <laughs> I seriously doubt we'll end up eight and four, but uh, <laughs> Texas A&M 104th in the country and third down conversion rate. If you want to fix the offense, start there. Uh, <sighs> number five preseason. Another team who has been shitty on offense, Notre Dame. They are also three and three, averaging 24 points a game, allowing 22. Again, just like Miami, that's like super extra medium. (sighs) Losses that include Marshall and Stanford. Marshall. Not great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I know this, you've probably seen it, and I'm sure some of our listeners have seen it. Um, kind of this little tidbit quoted elsewhere, but you know, Marshall and Stanford have combined for two wins against FBS opponents this year. <laughs> and both of those wins are against Notre Dame. They're oh and like six against all other FBS opponents. So I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Freeman, he's got a lot of work to do up there. They're he all, he's he's got to I mean, fix you, the it, quarter. I, they're minus six in turnover differential on the year, which is a hundredth in the country. Minus six through six games means you're losing the turnover battle every week. If uh if I'm Marcus Freeman, I know Tommy Reese is a Notre Dame guy, but I got to fire him. Like, their offense is putrid. It's so bad. It's even worse than it was last year. You, you got to cut him loose, man. It's it's not working out. Like, the offense sucks. Like, you got to get somebody else in there. I just – I don't think – I mean, obviously, Freeman being a defensive guy is not going to be calling plays. But Tommy Reese just ain't the dude. Their offense is pathetic. And I think the guy – at the top, they just they need to cut the head off the snake, man. That just that's my opinion. Yeah, well, they got some work to do on the defensive side of the ball too, because they're 129th in the country in red zone defense. They've allowed Ugh. scores on 100 percent of opponents' red zone drives. So, oh, Jesus, they are you know, not they are not a bend but don't break defense. <laughs> well, and that's really surprising with a team like Notre Dame, especially given that. You know, the first game of the season when they played uh, Ohio State, they were really impressive defensively. I mean, I just yes. I don't know what I don't know what happened. Like they were so good in that game, like they fought the whole game and just got outpaced by superior athletes towards the end. And I was like, man, like if they can play like that for you know another eleven games, shit, they could be eleven and one. And <sighs> damn, wheels just came off the. The truck, man, just ugh, not yeah. good. Uh, three and three. And I don't know. I guess I don't know their schedule offhand. I don't have it in front of me. I know they have USC. Uh, I think they have Clemson at some point, maybe. Uh, yeah, their schedule. It uh, They got UNLV this week, and then they go on the road to Syracuse. Then they've got Clemson at home, Navy, and then Boston College and USC. Okay. So, well, I mean, there's at least three likely losses there between Syracuse, Clemson, and and USC. Yeah. And I, mean, I, I, mean, I took the, way- the over on these guys because I thought they were going to play really, really good defense and be good enough offensively to, you know, to manage. And 
they're an average defense and a garbage offense. So, yeah, you know, I expect them to be five and one at this point, and they're not. And I expect them to go over nine and a half, and they won't. So, no. we'll talk more about that after the break. But yeah, that's our that's our look back at what the you know, 10 good reasons that the AP preseason poll is absolute garbage and no one should ever put any stock in it ever. <laughs> good call. So something I will put stock in is uh, taking a quick break uh, to hear from our sponsors over at DraftKings. Yeah. So speaking of DraftKings, uh, now, Eric, I know me and you both probably watched every snap of Alabama and Tennessee and <laughs> man, like, Imagine you're that kicker for Tennessee. You're lining up. You got this field goal. Like you, I mean, you're not going to get the ball back. Time's expiring. Like you're, this is the kick of your life. I mean, just if you're a, like me, I was a fan. I was like glued into this, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And so, you know, then he makes the kick and well, we lost. But if you, I mean, now if you're a listener and you like big plays and, kicks like that at the end then well you can make every play feel that exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers now right now new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins now in addition to that everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays all right, now, Eric, a matchup that I know since it's right there in your backyard that you might be interested in is the 5-1 and one Giants are on the road at the 2-4 and four Jaguars. You going to be watching that one? I will because I've been kind of hoping for a couple of years now that the Jaguars start to play something resembling competent football. I wouldn't have expected the Giants this year to be where they're at. Um, yeah, I don't well, think anybody expected the Giants to be five and one. They're but a here pretty we are. surprising five and one. This is one of those <laughs> games. If I did, if I wanted to to take my youngest son to a, a Jags game coming into the year, this is this would have been one I picked because I was oh I could get cheap tickets because these teams are going to be garbage. But uh, Giants look like they can play, so it'll Indeed. be interesting to see if if, uh, if Jacksonville can hang. Yeah, and uh, you know what's funny? They're two and four, but their Jacksonville is actually favored to win. So Vegas is not buying into the five and one Giants to go and get a win here. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But for our listeners, you guys can make things even sweeter when you throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day, all season long. Now, first thing you got to do, you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPM. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. That's our network that we broadcast on. So TPPN, you get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game, only at DraftKings Sportsbook using promo code TPPN. Now, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply there, so check out our show notes for the details. All right, so Eric, what are we doing in the second half of this show? The second half, we're doing uh, the kind of the midseason uh, Vegas win total review. Oh, man. So our <laughs> listeners will remember, you know, we obviously do. Uh, every year we go through conference by conference, team by team, kind of preview each team so that the listeners don't have to. And we take the Vegas win totals and we take our uh, our best attempt at forecasting you know, what, what these teams are going to do relative to those win totals. Some of them we get right. Some of them we get wrong, believe it or not. So hmm. yeah, just some. And after seven weeks, uh, believe it or not, there are uh, five, six, nine teams who have already clinched, right? They've already cashed out one or the other. Either you lost your money or you won your bet uh, halfway through the year. So who was right? <laughs> Starting with one team that's already clinched uh, out in the Pac-12, Arizona came into the year at two and a half. We all three took the under because we, this we one, all. This, this one, one bugs me. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, we both we were on the fence here, and I actually like kind of felt bad about taking the under. I was like, eh. I mean, I, I let Timmy talk me into it with his. They're not going to win a fucking game. <laughs> yes, that, Tim's bold prediction of Arizona going. 0 and 12 kind of yeah made me feel less bad about saying they're going to go 2 and 10 but yeah Arizona yeah. going 3 and 4 uh through the first 7 weeks makes me actually go back to feeling bad about taking the under on 2 and a half uh, they don't play a shred of defense still but no. 
they've been they've been able to pull out three games. So congratulations to the Wildcats. Um, another team is making us look like assholes. And they actually, in week five, this team cashed out. The Orangemen of Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, cool. we all three missed there. Four we, and a half. We God. all took, all of us took under four and a half. I, Dino Babers was my number two or three on the hot seat rankings. Yeah, he was. I think he was number two. Wow, that's and, that's insane. Syracuse has, is six and zero, oh, and they got a big undefeated matchup with Clemson this week. I will see how that goes. I personally still think Syracuse is a little bit of a mirage. Well, Vegas would agree with you because they are. Yeah, they're like thir- four, thirteen and a half point dogs. Yeah. I think. So. Yeah, I just I, I look at Syracuse as like, what's their best win? Mm. Purdue at home by three, probably. Like, yeah, probably. I mean, Purdue's looking like they could be the best team in the Big Ten West. So, yeah. <laughs> but then they turn around. They beat UVA at home by two. They beat NC State with a backup quarterback. Louisville's wishy washy. I just, you know, good on them. They're six and zero. Oh. That you know, they were right. Well, I was wrong. But well, well, the party's over this week. Yeah, I. You can I, book that. I, I don't. Uh, I don't want to talk about Syracuse anymore. Uh, <laughs> Notre Dame. We talked about Notre Dame. They've also cashed out um, just kind of in a different direction. They're three and three, which means they cannot win over nine and a half games this year. You and Tim both took the under. So that hit for you guys. Oh yeah. I took the over. Cause as I, I said before, I thought they'd be really good on defense again. And I thought they'd be okay enough on offense. And they're, they are neither of those things. Yeah, now defensively, I, I agreed. I thought they would be really good, and they looked like it, like we talked about in the first game. And they just the the wheels fell off the wagon, man. And they just they they stink on offense. So and they stink on defense too. So I don't know. It's time to talk about the Blue Devils. Oh, you did take the over on Duke. Nice I did. call. Yeah, nice Timmy call. And I, you- Timmy and I both thought that Duke could squeak out a fourth win. Uh, you weren't quite as confident, so you took under three and a half. They're four and three. Now they might have won their last game, um, if, we're, if if we're being honest. But they did win more than three and a half. So, yeah, they who knows they could win this week. I think they play Miami. They do. They play <laughs> so, at Miami. They they go into the <laughs> hostile environment. Yeah, all se- all seven hundred fans are really going to be oh, getting goodness. after it. Yeah, they're like. I want to say like nine or nine and a half point underdogs at Miami. That's I'm not going to lie. That's tempting, but it is. It really um, is. It's something I looked at. I was like, man, Miami stinks. I mean, they got drilled by middle Tennessee. I mean, would Duke not be favored over middle Tennessee tomorrow? Well, you would think, but I don't know. I, from looking at our picks and we'll talk more about those in the actual week eight episode, but I don't, yeah, I, I don't know that I know anything anymore. Um, Another team we talked about in the preseason top 25 segment, Oklahoma. They're four and three. So they already hit the under nine and a half that you and I picked them to hit. Now, yes. I didn't think they'd be giving up almost 50 a game in conference play. And I yeah. thought they were, they were like a nine and three team, but they're looking more like a seven and five team. And yeah, uh, Oklahoma, for Timmy aside, I think our. I think the Big 12 is going to turn out pretty well for all of us with some of the teams in the Big 12. Yeah. Uh well, mostly for you. Yeah, I'm 2 we'll and 0. About- I'm 2 and 0 so far in the Big 12 and I'm you looking are. really I'm looking really good on a couple of more. So You're looking Yeah, you're you're looking really good. You're looking extremely good on one and pretty good on the other. We'll get to yeah. those. Yeah. Uh kind of in the second half of this second half, but uh, the other one you already hit is Kansas over two and a half. Oh yeah, you guys. I mean, you weren't buying in. You know, you didn't nope. buy into the Jayhawks. You guys thought they stunk, and what do they do? They end up ranked and getting a college game day. You know, so yep. good on them. They had a tough loss this week on the road at Oklahoma. You know, lost their starting quarterback for the season probably. So, at, it's a it's a heartbreaker for the Jayhawks. But Lance Leipold, good on well, that guy, man. It, it is, you know, losing Daniels hurts, but yeah, they've already got five wins in the bank on a two and a half win total. And yeah. I'll tell you, I think their backup quarterback is playing extremely well. So they might have a couple more in them. Oh yeah. I mean, there's no question. I, 
don't tell me they can't get somebody else. I mean, they've already, yeah, uh, they've already gotten already, some people they weren't supposed to get. So right, going you know on the road at Houston, on the road at West Virginia. I just yep. boy, yeah, and they are, I believe, five and one against the spread this year. So good on you if you've been betting on Kansas all year. So. Yep, that's there's a lot of free money out there on the Jayhawks. Um, oh yeah. Now we did all three. We were all unified. We were backing the Commodores. We all thought that Vanderbilt would go over two and a half. Oh yeah, and they're they're another team like Duke. They're three and four. They might have won their last game as well, but it doesn't matter because two over two and a half already cashed out. Oh man, some of these SEC schools, man, I'm just I'm blown away. <laughs> like we're in trouble on some of these, man. Like uh, Ole Miss seven and a half. Yeah, I think we're I think we're in trouble there. Yeah, I'm in big trouble on both of the Mississippi schools, actually, I think. Um, yeah, you took the under on Mississippi State. So, yeah, yeah. you're. Yeah, that's you're, what I get uh, from betting against Leach. Yeah, that's, I mean, if you'd have bet the over with us, he'd, he, there's no way they go six and six and we all lose. So, oh, Leach. <laughs> can't figure that guy out. You can't uh, take him. Can't, can't count on him. Yeah, we talked about uh, briefly, and we mentioned Illinois. Yeah. Now, Tim and I liked him to go over four and a half. You, you were not clamoring for a seat on the Belama bus. Nope. I thought now, the party was over. So, so they're six, they're six and one. Brett Belama is firmly in the driver's seat for the big 10 West. Oh yeah. And now I didn't think that they would be like that. Like I had them finishing. I thought they could get to six and I had them third in the West. Um, <laughs> But boy, that's I didn't I didn't see six and one coming. I, if, I was I mean, like, yeah, they can told, win five, they can win six. It, and you know, they're not like Duke and Vanderbilt. I don't think they've won their last one yet. I think they can get to nine. Yeah. Probably. This is and this is this conference is one of those like some of these teams, you know, you can tell like we thought some of the numbers were a little bit off or disrespectful. Like Minnesota, I saw seven and a half and I was like, they'll win nine at least. And after two games, it looked like they were going to win nine or 10 and then, ugh, you know, fell off the wagon. So still up. I mean, that one's still up for debate currently, but doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. Um, and we talked about Wisconsin, the third straight segment uh, of this show that Wisconsin makes an appearance. Uh, Wisconsin three and four. They already cashed out the under eight and a half with, that oh, we yeah. all three took, but I didn't think they'd be so bad that they fired their coach. I, I just like, yeah, I don't think they'll win nine games. They got they got Ohio State on the other side. They're rough. Yeah, and I mean, there's some of these in here that we're looking good on as well. You know, mm-hmm. we all took the over on Maryland at five and a half. I think we're looking pretty good there. Yeah, now there's, there's in addition to those nine that have already cashed out, there are another uh, three, four, five, six that could finalize this week. Miami, three and three, as we discussed. You know, their win total is eight and a half. So unless they win out, they're going under. And <laughs> yeah, I feel alert, pretty good. Feel, they're not feel, winning out. Um, no, I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah. So you and I were on the under there. I like our chances. Uh, Tim's not here to defend himself. So I'll just say he was crazy to think that Mario Cristobal is going to come in and win nine plus games year one. Yeah. I learned my lesson on Miami last year. I took the over on them and they tanked. So mm. I wasn't going to make that same mistake again. And there's another ACC game happening this weekend that actually we could get two of these to cash out. And that is uh, Georgia Tech, who is favored by three at home against UVA. Oh, man. So Georgia Tech, nice. three and three with a three and a half win total that all three of us took the under. And Virginia, who was currently two and four they came into the year with a seven and a half win total and we all took under that so uh georgia tech they're favored they hang on to win and we go one and one so we need to be big virginia fans and then and then have virginia lose another game later right but yeah um, yeah that's right so i don't i'll tell you what if georgia tech is going to win a fourth game this year this is the week yeah I would have to agree. I mean, so, but God, Virginia is so bad up front, dude. They are terrible. Like it wouldn't shock me if Georgia Tech beats them. No, it wouldn't. I mean, like you know, like I said, you know, they're favored by three at home. So Vegas looks at these two teams and says, you know, if they were playing at the Cotton Bowl tomorrow, just pick a winner, <laughs> right? So, 
so we might we might get a split there. Um, TCU came in six and a half. You were over on them. Tim and I were under. They're currently six and zero, oh, and they're playing very very good football. And Sonny Dykes. I, I don't see a way that they don't cash out that over. Yeah, I mean they they if. I don't know that they win this week. I know they're favored by, I believe, six and a half was the last I saw against Kansas State. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if K-State goes in there and beats them. So, I, I don't know what will happen there. I kind of like TCU to continue being successful based on what I've seen and how well Max Duggan's playing. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like you said, I was uh, – I was – I I think – it wasn't a talent issue. Like I said before the season, I think that team just quit on Gary Patterson. I think it was really apparent that they quit on him and that they still had a lot of talent because they didn't lose a ton of talent in the transfer portal. And so, I mean, even though they did lose Zach Evans, you know, it's the big 12. I felt like it, I mean, they'll still be able to score. They'll points. find a running Nobody, back. Yeah. They're a big yeah, 12 no, school in Texas. That like, yeah, no, nobody's going to play any defense anyway. So I, I felt like they would be okay without, Zach Evans and they seem to be. And what's funny about tech uh TCU to me is that Max Duggan, as well as he's playing, <laughs> if you remember, he wasn't even the starter coming into the get the season. It was Chandler Morris. And Max Duggan's only playing because Chandler Morris got hurt. And you could argue like Duggan should be in the Heisman conversation right now. Uh, you could. I mean, the guy's putting up huge numbers. Um mm-hmm. and with some of the defenses that TCU has coming up, he's gonna certainly have the chance to put up some more. So, Oh yeah. And, and like you said, their opponent, Kansas state, um, they didn't quite make the can clinch this week cutoff. They're five and one. And they came in on a six and a half win total, but I still really like, we were all three over and I, I like that over just as much as I did then. I, we all thought it was at least a game too low. Yeah. And I, I don't know what to make of Kansas state really. If, if they're a smoke screen or not, Adrian Martinez is playing extremely well. I mean, I don't believe – I don't think he's thrown in an, an interception this season. He's he's not. Kansas State is the only Power 5 team who has not thrown an interception this season. Right. And, if you and, and after watching that, him if, after watching him at Nebraska for four years, I can guarantee you that will not continue much longer. Uh, yeah. I would have bet my life savings against Kansas State being the only team without throwing an interception from their starting seven QB weeks, right. in week eight. Like I, w- I would have bet my life savings against that. And so Chris, I mean, climbing, he's got him playing really well. I don't know, man. I, I don't know whether to make, if they're a smoke screen or if they're just really efficient and really good. And he's taken that North Dakota state staff and applied the same principles and it's working out for him. Yeah. And as the weeks go by the two things that look, it's weird with Kansas state. Cause Initially, I was like, man, that Tulane loss looks bad now. That just makes yeah. less and less sense. But now I watch Tulane play and they're yeah. they're doing well. They're yeah. five and one or six and one. So it makes a little yeah. more sense. But then that Oklahoma win for them looks a lot less surprising than it did three weeks ago. Indeed, especially after so, what Texas did to them. So yeah, man. and TCU. I mean, TCU just melted those guys. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, Kansas State. I still really like over six and a half. I, I think we're safe there. Uh, yeah. Another team that can clinch A uh, and M with a loss this week. I don't even remember off. Oh, they got South Carolina, huh? They should uh, win that. Yeah, they are. I believe on the road at South Carolina. They are, but they're still favored, and there's, yeah. I would still expect them to win. South Carolina is terrible up front, but A and M three and three, eight and a half. <sighs> We I don't took- know, man. I, I'll be honest. I it wouldn't shock me if South Carolina beats them. Like I think but, South Carolina is kind of flying under the radar a little bit. It, like it they're wouldn't not shock great, me if anyone but, beats Texas A&M at this point. But yeah, and I mean it's on the road. They're not in a friendly confines. That place will be rocking. I just I don't know what time the game is. I don't. It, it may be a daytime game, which would suck if it is. But if it happens to be at night, that would be helpful. But I. Their offense is so bad. It is. And, it's, I mean, if they, I, I look at this game like, and not to get too deep into this because I know we're in a midseason review and we will talk about this game more, but I, I feel like this is one of those weeks, man, where Texas A&M could fuck around and get a kick blocked, and it could be <laughs> like yeah. the clinching factor where you know it's like, oh well, game one and field goal for A&M. Here we go, boom, blocked. You know, and it's like, oh shit, South Carolina with the upset. I can see it happening. 
Oh, I could too. I mean, and it would be a little bit of a departure, right? Because A and M is they're three and three on the strength of some. I don't even want to say good special teams. Some of it's like good fortune on special teams, like the Miami oh, yeah. game. Right? Miami muffed a punt inside their own fifteen. You know, A and M they got. I guess they lost anyways, but you know they got the kick return against App State, um, for instance. Yeah. So, yeah, or the or the crazy weird play where the guy rips against, the ball out against right, Arkansas, Arkansas. Yeah, ends up scoring and winning the game. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about A and M. You know, for coming in with eight and a half, they could easily be one and five. Oh yeah, hundred so, percent. Uh, we were all three over. I think we are likely to lose that, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, they I still got to play, you know, Old Miss and LSU. They have to play teams still that I think are better than them. So, oh yeah, that one's not looking good. Uh, and then the last one who, that can clinch this weekend is Michigan State, and we've talked quite a bit about them already. But they're three and four, and after an eleven-one season, they come in with a win total of seven and a half. That sh- you know. I, I personally, I took that as a sign that it's like, Hey, you know, who do I think is smarter Las Vegas or AP poll voters, Las Vegas. So maybe there's something here. Uh, Tim and I took the under on that. I, yeah, I like would our, feel, I like our I would chances. Feel really, yeah. I would feel really good about that. Given that they've got, they're going to be underdogs in three for sure games the rest of the year, possibly four. So, yeah. well, I mean, just look at Michigan State and like what, what scenario exists for them to beat Michigan? None. They'll like, get, they'll get mauled. Like, what would it. that game look like? I just can't picture it. Like, I can't close my eyes and make myself imagine Michigan State winning that game. No. So, so that, uh, not clinched yet, but boy, that one is looking like a loser. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's juicy. <laughs> So you got you guys are gonna cash on that one. Yeah. I will be missing it. Yeah, loser for you, I guess maybe is yes, correct. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I didn't look back last year, um, and this was not part of our midseason review, really. Like we didn't go into who's already cashed out, who was not. Like we talked about some of the picks and how they looked at that point in the season, but we didn't uh not necessarily in these terms. I would be surprised if there was nine teams last year that that finalizes their over under by week seven. Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to go back and look at that. That'd be interesting. So I'm trying to get these counted up here. So uh, give me a second. Where where are we at here? Uh, 103. Okay. All right. Let me count these up real fast here. So 0 and 3. Okay. So 1, 2. That's it. Yeah. We're, so we're 2 and 2 on the ones we were unanimous on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And then... For the ones we weren't unanimous, you and Timmy, one to my zero, oh and two, oh and three, one and three, two and three, three and three, four and three. So I'm four and three. Timmy is one. Yeah, I think I think I'm two, four, four two and, and two, two, four and three, three and three, four and three and four. So Timmy's three and four. I'm four and three. And you, uh, three and one, three and two. Yeah, I'm f- I'm four and two on the non-unanimous selections. Okay, all right. So yeah, I got these counted up here. So I'm four and three on the non-unanimous unanimous ones. Timmy's three and four. You're four and two on those. Some of the ones we disagreed on, and then we're two and two on all the ones we agreed upon. So No, I'm I'm sorry. I'm 3 and 2 on the non-unanimous ones. Ah, okay. 3 and 2. Gotcha. All right. Trying to give yourself an extra point there. Okay. Yeah, I I doubled up I think in Wisconsin. I gave myself <laughs> 2 points for that. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. So, all right. Well, that's uh, that's kind of where things stand uh mid-season as far as you know, where you'd want to go if you're a coach. Uh how trash the preseason AP poll is and what you should expect from it. And then kind of how we did on the midseason review uh, as far as preseason win totals. And I guess the answer to that one is, you know, not too terrible. I mean, not great, but there are some, there are some uh, close calls already out there that are looking up for us. So I think there's, I think our percentage will go up uh, next couple of weeks as some of these finalized because we're close on a couple. So, other than that, I think in probably, I would say the next 24 to 48 hours from when you are listening to this, we'll have the week eight preview show up for your enjoyment as well. Uh, 
again, we did this as a separate episode because there was just way too much in week seven that happened. We couldn't fit all this and that and really kind of do either thing justice. So a little bonus content for you all. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of days with week seven review and week eight picks. So be sure to tune in. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.